0: Our thanks to Indio Technologies for sponsoring this podcast. Indio is a white labeled solution that provides agents and brokers with the tools they need to enhance their client experience and maybe most importantly, improve operational inefficiencies.
1: You know, one of the things that I I think is a competitive advantage, Steve, for agencies that use Indio is. Their employees, they now get to have this very modern-looking, slick UI that feels today. It's not some old agency management system. It's not some paper forms. So by the very nature of the product, you can increase employee engagement. You can increase retention. And your overall perception of the technolog- technology that's there increases. I it just There are so many different ways that it assists the agency.
0: Well, and that's such a, a key thing to look at, especially when we talk about the changing consumer and their expectations. So uh, if you'd like to learn more about Indio, you can go to their website at www.useindio.com podcast, and there you'll be able to register for a one-on-one demo and see for yourself how that might work for your agency. Welcome to the Digital Broker Podcast with Steve Anderson and Ryan Deeds, where we help agents and brokers drive profitability through operational excellence. Welcome back to the next episode of the Digital Broker Podcast. I'm Steve Anderson I'm here along with my co-host Ryan Deeds. So today we have a guest uh, on with us, uh, Frank Setner. Actually, I'm going to jump actually right in, Frank, to uh, ask you to give us a little bit of of your background. For those that may not know, uh, you've been around the industry longer than I have, and that's saying something. So uh, what are you known for and what do you do today?
2: Yeah, I'm older than dirt.
0: (laughs) I know the feeling.
2: I I started out. Actually, mistakenly in sales uh, for one of the early vendors of agency management systems, a company no one probably remembers in Oh, I do. And yeah.
0: Oh, and,
2: yeah. And I uh, I had the pleasure of being drafted to head up a development team to create their policy and claims administration system. Um, they previously were doing just accounting. We did that by mirroring the Accord forms on green screens, and they printed on impact printers with pre-printed forms. It was amazing. Everyone was astonished. Um, Something we wouldn't be surprised at today at all. No, not at all. Uh, And then uh, I thought I got smart enough to create my own platform and started my own company, and we created a product that's today known as Sagita. It's owned by Vertifor. They bought the product from us. And it was built using the Accord AL3 standard, uh, the the old EDI data standard. And that system is still running some of the largest insurance brokers in the world, Marsh MMA, BB&T, USI. And so forth. The Crichton
1: Group. And the Crichton Group, <laughs> That's right. where Ryan And is. the Crichton Group. <laughs> That's, right. Yes. That's
2: right.
1: Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So well, you're done. really the reason that I have a job because uh, <laughs> I've done data analytics on Sajita and extraction of that forever. So I'm just very happy that that product did exist and I was able to make a little niche for myself. So thank you. Well,
2: I'm I'm thrilled that my grandbaby is still out there. <laughs> turning right. away. And uh, the last 22 years, I've been on my own since uh, we sold the system and the company to Vertifor, working primarily with insurance agents and brokers and carriers, integrating their various systems, once again, using Accord forms. So you may have noticed a a pattern here, Steve, which is that I've leveraged the standards uh, that were developed by the industry in two previous systems and in countless integration efforts throughout the industry for the last 22 years.
0: And you're doing um, quite a bit of work now with uh, what has become known as insure tech startups or insure, insurance technology firms, uh, mentoring them. And just explain that a little bit.
2: Yeah, that's that's actually the most fun job that I've got right now. I still do a lot of consulting with Accord and with some insurance carriers and, and legacy uh, Uh, software providers, but the startups is where I really am enjoying myself the most. I've been fortunate to be involved with Accord in their innovation challenges for the last four years, which brought me into contact with a number of folks with new ideas about how to try to solve the problems of our industry, and that led to my being drafted to be on the steering committee for the creation of the Hartford InsureTech Hub I kind of learned about that from Brian Hemiseth at the Global Insurance Accelerator in Des Moines. In Des Moines, yeah. And I have – it's like having grandkids. It's all the fun of a startup without the fear and terror. So, (laughs) you know, it's not my house that's going to get a second mortgage if they got to make payroll. yeah.
1: That's a fun place to be in. Well, I thought it was interesting. It you know, when I was at the Boston InsureTech meeting, I just kind of went up there on a whim, and you see all these young people walking around, and they're looking for insurance knowledge and expertise, and then there's this very animated, passionate, older gentleman, we'll say. And and <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just standing in awe because I know Frank. I mean, I, I've known ever since I've been in the career, you know, I, your name has been out there. And so I'm just, like, watching these guys pass you by, and I'm like, that, that's the guy that you need to talk to. That's the man right there. And then, I, so it was really cool that we were able to connect that day. And I took a lot away from that meeting. It was just fun.
2: Same here. I, it was a lot of fun chatting with you. I and you know I'm I'm thrilled to be working with them. But I have to tell you, they they have this problem. Startups don't have any money, and so I have to keep my day job in order to have the fun of working with them. So.
0: So, Frank, you and I had a hallway conversation at the NetView conference in Atlanta, and um, we were just chatting and asked you this question, which I'm going to pose to you in just a minute. But um, it's been something that's been rolling around in my head uh, probably for about a year and a half. And Ryan and I, in an earlier episode, actually episode number eight, we talked a lot about APIs, application programming interfaces, uh, ways to automate the transfer of data and information between systems. And uh, that certainly is what Accord has done for literally years. You mentioned the AL3 data standard, the Accord forms by their very nature, standardized applications for most insurance companies. And as I look at the development of APIs and just various platforms, um, the one I use as an example a lot is Zapier, uh, which actually now has over a 1,000 different web-based platforms that anybody using the Zapier interface can create a data connection or a data communication, I started wondering... Have we outlived the need for data standards? It it seems to me, and again, I'm I'm exploring this idea, but it seems to me that with APIs, you're not as worried about the standard as much as how do I get the data and what do I have to do with it to consume it into my platform application, et cetera, and so. Are we using 1990s technology to try and solve 2020 problems, mm-hmm. meaning AO3 when is there an easier way? And you've, I think, got a unique perspective. You worked obviously with Accord and believe me, this is not an abashing of Accord by any means that they've done great work in the past, but have things changed? Uh, if so, how? And you've had the opportunity to work a lot with the startups who just think differently about solving problems, not just industry problems. So I'm going to I'm going to pause there and kind of let you respond and we'll have a conversation going forward.
2: Well, you're absolutely right on pretty much every count. Um, The. I wish I could say we were solving 2020 problems with 19. 90s technologies and standards go, the AL3 standards go back to the 80s. So I'll
0: have to change my notes then to the 80s.
2: Really? Yeah. I mean, it was essentially finished, you know, in the late 80s. Now, it's been continually updated ever since. And the way in which that I think you're right and the way in which APIs, which have been a terrific game changer, uh, especially in the integration of data, the way in which that has changed things is we no longer need the structural components of Accord AL3 and Accord XML. But I was in a three and a half hour meeting with Accord and a large insurer the other day who's propagated APIs throughout their entire operation for all of their internal data sharing between the very many systems that they use. And the one thing that everybody agrees we still need is a common business glossary. Yeah, yeah. Like, because if we don't have common terms, right. then no matter how good your API is, I don't know what it is that you're sending me or that you don't know what it is I expect to receive.
1: And when you talk about that, you're talking about the verbiage, the actual words that are used inside that organization to mean the same things, right? Like exactly. what is written, what is estimated, what is booked. I mean, because that's typically, you know, when we go in and we look at an agency, we try to normalize that verbiage first. Is that, is that a, a tactical application of what you're talking about?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. The API has all the verbs it needs, get, put, delete you know, so on, In the, the typical CRUD, create, you know, uh, read, uh, update, and, and write, you know, so, uh, or, or delete. The API itself gives you the structure of the data it's expecting, uh, the, or the specifications for the API you the structure of the data it's expecting, okay? So all of the message stuff that Accord has been, you know, involved with for so many years, okay, on the uh, Accord XML side, all of the hierarchy and data structure that Accord AL3 has embedded within it, those are irrelevant to a microservices, messaging world, which is supported by APIs. But the one thing that we need is the terminology that's going to allow us to identify each individual element that's required to fulfill the data set that that API requires. And you know, it's funny, we do have a distant hope that natural language processing will obviate the need even for the business glossary. In other words, you can use your version of the language and I can use my version of the language, and there's a great data dictionary in the sky which translates the terminology in such a way that we don't, you know, have to have a common dictionary. But that hasn't progressed to the state where we can actually eliminate the need for a business glossary.
1: Well, and I think it's critical. I mean, I think like like you said, if I have one business unit and another business unit, and they're passing data between each other, both those business units need to know what they're looking for and what they're sending, as they may call it differently, right, within the business unit. But when they transfer it, that other party needs to know what they're getting. I mean, because that's really what we're talking about. And so, I think that that's an absolute. And I, I think I would love it if NLP did that. Uh, I think we're we're I think the computer can do that no problem. But I think still humans get confused about what they talk about unless it's drilled into their head on how companies should call certain things, data elements.
2: Right. And, you know, it's interesting in the course of the conversation with the uh, insurance company, um, they mentioned the importance of using uh, domain-specific terminology in the building of their APIs so that they could eliminate a lot of the layers of people who have to be subject matter experts to translate this. And one of the directions that we have been going with Accord was to create a dated uh, dictionary, a business glossary that was cross-program, international, technology-agnostic, and all these things. So um, the uh, the life insurance company calls it the the, 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 the casualty insurance policy proposal. We have a thing called uh, something else. You know, uh, a presentation. Um, some people have a policy. Some people have an agreement. We, we call the problem with that approach is now you have to translate your, your generic language for every specific domain. And so I think that may be the wrong direction to go. Maybe we should create a, a, a business glossary where there are lots of synonyms for things that are domain-specific, all of which point to the same essential data that we need to transfer. And that's where I think uh, uh, an organization like Accord can be tremendously helpful because they can get representatives from all of the various industry partners and all of those various domains together and get an agreed-upon business glossary with all of the translations required so that people can simply drop that in as a component of their API and know that they'd be able to get 90% of the data that would be possible to be transferred between them and their business partners. So that's that's where I see the direction of accord for the future. I also see accord creating lots of new widgets, so to speak, that are leveraging APIs in their own right. For instance, at the moment, nobody has to add accord forms to their, you know, suite of software. And maintain them with all of the work that's associated with that, all of the regulatory compliance and so forth. They simply need to implement an API with Accords eForms in the cloud, and they can transmit, you know, at band broadband mm. speeds, you know, data in, you know, pretty much whatever format, although Accord would prefer their data standard formats the data to the the cloud and get back a completed accord form or a series of completed accord forms that satisfy the data requirements of the data stream. That's a huge savings for the industry. So there there are are both, you know, what I would call, you know, industry, um, you know, beneficial uh, non-profit opportunities Accord, But there's also a place for a for-profit area where they can build something that saves the industry money and not have to, you know, charge as much for membership while they're able to leverage those those uh, APIs and, and widgets in the cloud.
0: I think that's a great example. Um, and I guess my question is, so, so eForms have been around for a while, uh, if my memory serves me correct. And yet we're seeing at least, the I would say, the traditional agency management system vendors still kind of doing their own thing. So they have to update the forms based on current iterations or new versions, et cetera. So, again, to be clear, you're suggesting that they wouldn't need to do that anymore. They would just always get the form or the data from the Accord repository, pull it into their system, and it would always be the current versions, correct?
2: Exactly. And you're right. The legacy agency management system vendors have not adopted Accord eForms, um, at least the eForms in the cloud.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, they have adopted the ability to go up and pull down the most version of the, the recent version of the Accord form for processing purposes. But, of course, as you know, if they haven't, they have new data in there, new fields. They haven't mapped them yet, and therefore they're going to need to do that before the form will be complete. However, the new agency management system vendors are in fact using the eForms in the cloud. I mean, in 1988, I begged Greg Macyag to do Accord forms so I wouldn't have to do them for Sejita. Right. Um, at the time, that was considered, you know, a horrible idea because it would compete with uh, some of their licensees. You know, thirty years later, that's what we're doing, and we're doing it successfully.
0: So the the glossary or the data dictionary um, is that. J- what what does that actually look like? So you know, we've got listeners at all all kinds of different agencies, large and small. Um, I guess what I'm looking for is, you know, practically for them, what makes sense. Uh, or how would they use this, or how would they look
2: at this? Most agencies probably wouldn't use it, but okay. their agency management system vendors would. And now Ryan could be an exception in that regard. In fact, most of the GD users are, are because right. they do a great deal of their own data integration. Um, but if the the existing, there is a uh, an existing business glossary implicit within the uh, accord xml standard but there's also in the reference uh, materials at accord a full business glossary now it needs work before i would implement it but it's definitely the backbone and it's really no different steve than having a dictionary of your own Mm -hmm. Uh, you know it's sort of like using word i can tell when you know something's misspelled really misspelled using my data dictionary, you know, it's data dictionary. Unfortunately, if I happen to have misspelled, but spelled another word that's valid, it doesn't know that for the most part. Um, hopefully, in terms of the glossary that we're talking about, we would have sufficiently discrete terms that we wouldn't need to worry about the synonym, I mean, or the, what is it, homonym problem, <laughs> whether where there's two words that mean different things that are spelled the same. Right.
0: Well, my example of that in the industry is marketing. So we have marketing to the carrier or carrier submissions and we have marketing in terms of bringing in new prospects into the agency.
1: So that that would that's always been a confusing um especially to a newcomer. You know, when I came in marketing, that's what sort of, oh, we have a marketing department. We're we're a 60-person agency with a marketing department, really? Oh no. And so it took me a little while to learn that one. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you got to get them trained to use other terminology, like placements. placement. Placement. Okay. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Placement. Right.
0: So, um, in your work with the Accord Innovation Challenge and the Hartford
2: InsureTech
0: Hub, Hub. Hub. Yeah, Insure the Harf- Tech Hub. Hartford InsureTech Hub. What What are you seeing in terms of of these you know new players coming into the our ecosystem and and how they're looking at Data. I mean, are they embracing the current standards? Are they trying to make them work? Are they just not? Are they doing the dictionary? Um, and is there a practical implication of how that works itself out for agents and brokers as they're looking at some of these vendors as potential solutions to problems within the agency?
2: Yeah, well, I, it, it it is an interesting uh, issue, Um uh, the thing and i agree with ryan the thing that i think most insure tech startups are missing is real industry experience and uh, that's not universally true there are some notable exceptions in the hartford insurtech hub folks who came from within the industry and have have you know branched out uh, to create a startup but for the most part i would say what they were lacking was industry domain expertise, and certainly they were lacking industry contacts, which was a large part of the reason for them joining an accelerator uh, focused on the insurance industry. What, what you probably won't be thrilled to hear is that one of the things that I'm finding beneficial for the startups to leverage is al three. Um, and yeah. and one, of the reasons, one of the reasons why it's beneficial, and I've, I've got a brand new agency management system vendor who did one of the same things Accord did. Accord has an API that translates AL3 into JSON so that virtually unreadable format that is certainly not human readable format that AL3 is, suddenly is, re- is, is revealed in a format that any programmer, current modern programmer, could read easily and quickly. But the, the nightly process that exists, actually, I would say the combination of an initial load, which every insurance carrier supports, and the nightly process, which they're already engaged in, generating those updates on all the policy and claims information, that process is perfectly suited to a mobile app, say, okay? Okay. I want to be able to not spend a lot of money as an insurance carrier. I've already got this group over here generating these AL3 downloads. It ain't broke. I don't want to fix it. If I simply spawn that and send it over to a mobile app provider, I'm working with the folks at the insurance agent mobile app to accept that, map the data to their, uh, their mobile app, which, by the way, as much lighter data requirements than any agency management system, right, sure. and they instantly have a complete picture for an insured of what they care about uh, on their mobile app. I'm doing the same thing with a couple of the AI machine learning platforms. Getting data out of insurance carriers that in volume requires an act of God and, and, and a review by their legal department, and yet, if you can get them to provide a service to their agents, for instance, on retention and cross-sell opportunities by simply cloning that nightly process that that generates all that data, those folks with those big data, AI and machine learning platforms can be often running overnight, literally overnight. Now, you still need to map the data and all the rest of that stuff. You still need the glossary that tells them what each one of those data elements is but they can populate their database overnight at virtually no cost to the insurance carriers. Mm, okay. That strikes me as a that strikes me as a valuable use of, you know, an existing technology that despite every effort has has survived 30 years of implementation.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, interesting. So, um we're running out of time here, but my last question is you know, as agents and brokers are looking out on InsurTech, you know, the buzzword, the startups they're hearing about and the, all all of the new stuff, do you have any recommendations or suggestions on how they should evaluate the, the company, the vendor, the platform? Uh, I think I sense a lot of fear of working with a startup, somebody new, because are they going to be around? And I'm going to separate management systems kind of out of this, because I think that's a different category. But there are a lot, like uh, Indio, the sponsor of of this podcast, um, has a process specifically designed to help brokers. And I know you've done some work with them. Any suggestions on how technology staff or agency owners and managers should... Evaluate what might work in their organization.
1: Because it's so noisy, Frank. That, that's the problem, right? How, how, how do you determine one? Like there's an insured tech company out there that started yesterday that is marketing and they've got a pretty website but no substance versus an insured tech company that's been around for two years that has funding that's actually providing value. Are there that evaluation criteria? You know, if I'm an agency principal and I hear about thirty things, how do I determine that? I mean, I think that's such a good it's such a good question because the noise that we have in our space today is so loud, and it's so hard to determine what to act on.
2: Yeah, well, that's uh, a good topic for me. I just finished writing an article for uh, Chris Paradiso's uh, Paradiso Presents Magazine, and it was specifically on sort of a chord. Uh, I mean, InsureTech 101, and, you know, for myself, I I divide, you know, uh, InsureTech opportunities, InsureTech, you know, technologies and startups into two broad categories at the highest level. One is risk mitigation, and the other is risk transfer. And what insurance companies do, and for the most part, what agents do is risk transfer. However, at least half the InsureTech you know, opportunities that are presented to me have more to do with risk mitigation than they do with risk transfer. And so those agents who picked up the slack when insurance carriers got out of the business of providing real loss uh, uh, prevention services or engineering services, uh, the people who, you know, hired engineers and, and uh, you know, loss prevention specialists at agencies So they could uh, specialize in the niche of, say, a grocery store, independent grocery stores. Not the big ones with risk managers, but the ones that exist, thousands and thousands of them out there, that need somebody to come in and help them figure out that they shouldn't leave a bucket and a pail in the middle of the aisle, you know, or a ladder set up, you know, or the many other things that result in in severe claims at uh, a small grocery those people have made a business out of focusing on risk mitigation and they've made their bones by convincing their clients that they were their partners to help them prevent loss and thereby give them a less expensive risk transfer solution if they if that's what your business is if you're focused on working with insurers to try to lower their risk threshold you need to focus on risk mitigation technologies, Mm -hmm. because they're out there and they're valuable. The one caveat with risk mitigation technologies is if they're active, in other words, um, a Nest thermostat is active because it actively changes the, 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 the temperature in your house, you need to be aware of cyber liability and the cyber risk associated with an active, Uh, IoT device in your home or business is very real. But if you can protect it properly, and there are devices out there like Secure Home in the personal side and and Yaxa in, in the commercial side, you can then invest in one of those active devices. However, the vast majority of risk mitigation platforms are actually passive. And so there's no risk of your water sensor as long as it's not controlling the flow of water in any way. There's no risk of hacking that. On the risk mitigation, I mean, the risk this, sorry, side, you have really three categories there as well. You have the customer experience side, which are all your mobile apps, chatbots, AI platforms for phone and, and, and text and, and communications. Then there's your operational fulfillment ones, your agency management systems and policy administration systems, and then you have your big data and AI, okay? Agents, large agents, actually can invest money in AI and machine learning and get back multiples of their investment. Smaller agents have a hard time doing that unless they're being managed by, you know, an administrative association of some kind, like Renaissance Group up in Massachusetts, or agency administrators here in Connecticut, those people can actually afford these AI and machine learning platforms. So, you got to figure out, and you got to pick your battles because agents don't have an unlimited amount of money and time. And frankly, neither do insurance carriers. Do you want to put your eggs in the risk mitigation side? Helping your customers to prevent loss and establish a relationship with them where you're their on-site risk manager. Specific risk, uh, specific focus on the mitigation side, the safety side. Or do you want to focus on lowering your costs, increasing your customer engagement, improving your sales and retention? Um, And if you do, you know, there's lots of information out there about people, and people can call me if they want about the terms that I deal with. Um, the uh, Aureus Analytics and Pentation Analytics are two from the InsurTech here in Hartford that uh, work on the big data and analytics side. Um, uh, the I mentioned the insurance agent mobile app. There's ViewSpection, which is a great tool for inspections um, for both personal and commercial property and vehicles pre-underwriting and or after a claim or for audit purposes, there's some cool technologies, and I'm not going to get into it, in the agency management system space that are starting uh, to make inroads, uh, Quick Fusion, Tech Canary, Baruna. Those are all new names in the agency management system space over the last 10 years. And on the risk mitigation side, there are literally hundreds of opportunities for various types of risk, be they fire, water, uh, uh, burglary, you
0: know. Yeah, and I think that's going to be um, a, a real interesting path for agencies to look at
1: is um, how, how do we help our clients prevent... Yeah, that's value. I mean, if we, if they... <laughs> I think you and I talked about that <clears throat> as well. You know, if the startup comes up with something that's accessible to the agency that they can then package as a value proposition, I believe that that startup will win, you know, if if we can figure out how to leverage that.
0: Well, I- and and if agency owners and managers have an open mind to trying something new, right? right? Not, not just selling a policy like we've always done.
2: There well, no better salespeople in the world, in my personal experience, than independent agents. If they put their mind to it, they can find a way to make money selling insure tech prevention, uh, safety, and, and, and risk mitigation to their customers.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a whole new potential revenue source uh, for agencies. And I think actually they need to be yeah. Experimenting and looking for for that. Well, Frank, it's been a great having you on our uh, show here. As a great, great conversation, appreciate you taking some time out to um, to talk with us.
2: Hey, I'm happy to do so, Steve. Anytime. So if Brian, somebody great chatting with you again. Yeah.
0: yeah. So if somebody wants to uh, get in touch with you uh, and ask any questions, what would be the best way?
2: Eight six zero seven nine four. 7806. That's been myself for 22 years. And
0: And you'll answer the phone.
2: Well, I will answer it if I recognize the number. If not, text me ahead of time. Ah, there you go.
0: That's a great idea. And
2: text me ahead of time. I'll put you in my uh, contacts. And after that, I will answer the phone. Of course, I call back if you leave a message.
0: Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, again, thanks, Frank. Appreciate it. Um, And have a great day.
2: We appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: This has been another episode of the Digital Broker Podcast with Steve Anderson and Ryan Deeds. Send us your questions and comments, and if you like what you hear, leave us a review. This podcast is brought to you by Indio Technologies. Indio software helps agencies save time and money by turning the application and renewal process into digitally enhanced online forms. To learn why over a 1,000 agents use Indio, go to www dot slash podcast.